Okay. Now recording. <laughs> Craig, go ahead. I don't want to see Entering Craig. Craig, take up less space. In a world In where a Craig's world. recording. <laughs> okay, hey, we're going. Hey, you know, I was thinking like mm -hmm. earlier today, and excuse me for this being such a um, abbreviated thought, but um, like movie trailers don't have that in a world anymore, do they? I thought it was just the one think... guy. Is he okay? Is he still... No, there's a couple people. I watched a whole like documentary on it. Actually, I'm educated now. <laughs> Thank you. It's a leg up on me. <laughs> yeah, they just don't do that anymore. Like, you can't even make that joke and things. Yeah, no, kids won't get that. The teens won't understand. Well, even if they understand it or get it, it's not going to be like a... Even if they're like, oh yeah, that's from this movie or from these like weird things. It's not going to yeah. be like... Like, I'm not nostalgic for it, though. That was just a thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> or like, it doesn't strike a chord, like, funny because... Don't care. <laughs> so much stronger than the rest of us. In a world where it's real sandy and Max is mad. Max is mad again. <laughs> In a world where Mugens are on train. <laughs> Watch out. And sometimes Mugens is trains. <laughs> trains writes the movie. Trains! <laughs> trains! Okay, that was a job for the wolf's brain, everybody. Hi. Do we... <laughs> Hello. And welcome to the podcast. This is we're the podcast called Drink Compatible. In case if if you were here for ninety nine percent invisible, uh, you're gonna want to go out back into the hallway, take a left, and then. Roman's right down the hall. He's waving Roman's you in. Roman's right there. Yeah, yeah. You say, hey, Roman, yep. you got yep. this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you see the little orange cones? Yeah. There was a little <laughs> mishap outside. The, it, it was ceiling leakage. It's no big deal. It's going. He'll hold you. This is welcome to podcast enterprises. I, I feel like we're basically um, describing Space Jam for podcasts. Oh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> That might not be a, a useful comparison because one, it's been like 20 years since I've seen the first Space Jam. And also I was real drunk when I started the second Space Jam. So, you know. Oh, can you just start that anywhere now? The Space Jam? You have to buy it. You, I remember your friend bought the Space Jam. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks. For, on my YouTube or? Yes. Thanks, Nate. Why can't I get Craig to go away? Oh, tap on my face. Oh, okay. I'm tapping on Craig. Oh. I'm tapping on Craig. Wow. Craig's our intern and also our robot who records the podcast. Oh, also, I'm Sammy. And I'm Kelsey. And it's it's still drink compatible. We did that part already. And it's so uh, good to have you. It's so good. Um, you might notice that things sound a little different from... The, the eight, seven or eight that we had done before. Uh, really messing with the lore. Uh, the, 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 the issue? The situation the issue. is... <laughs> and a little bit the issue is that I moved. So... Oh, and Kelsey didn't. That's also important. 
We've got all this long distance. There's so so much distance and a lot of podcasts to cover it. Can you hear all of um, the Midwest in this distance? I can. Oh, oh, oh. They're out there. Now now I'm just thinking about Thistle Men. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say something about Gangnam Style. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, so as you can tell, this is a podcast about movies and drinking and best friends. Um, and we haven't really started drinking yet, but we're already best friends. We got one down. And we're already movie this time. And Hey, yeah, that's, so that's the, the new fun twist is that we, um, studied beforehand instead of we're not doing the whole drinking game thing. Because we're both very busy people and don't have the time to dedicate to that kind of endeavor at the moment. Um, but what we did is we watched our movie of choice, and now we're going to talk about it. And we've held off on talking about it, and that's been eating me alive because I want to talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I have really, I've got a lot to say about this. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen this movie before, actually. So this was a really fun Ooh. one to watch. Um, one of my friends recommended it. Uh, she always was really, really uh, into it. And then situations, I don't know, uh, happened to reflect this movie. And so finally one day she was just like, Kelsey, you got to sit down and watch this with me. Come on, you're actually going to like it. Turns out it did. And what is the movie? This time we watched 500 Days of Summer. Yay. Starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. There's some real up-and-comers. Yeah, maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> They're from 2009, so I don't know. They came in the time machine to, to visit us. <laughs> Just to visit us. We got them sat down. They're waiting outside. So when you're done with Roman Mars, uh, we'll we'll invite them in and we can get started. <laughs> I really like this fictional world we're building. <laughs> um, so before, it's reassuring well, to know that Roman Mars is on our side. It's always reassuring to know that Roman Mars is just out there as an idea. Uh, so before we start talking about the, the blockbuster bit, let's talk about the boozy bit. Uh, Kelsey, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a salty dog. What is, is a salty dog? Um, let's see. It is. I just had the uh, recipe pulled up. Oh, here we go. And then you know you click on it and it reloads. Uh, a salty dog is. Gin or vodka and fresh grapefruit juice with salt. That sounds great. Yeah, I put in a little bit of rosemary into this because I'm fancy like that. And uh, um, I use, let's see, I used gin this time. It was really good. It is really good. It's going to be really good. I thought it would kind of work because... Um, Tom is a pretty salty dude. Um, <laughs> absolute. <laughs> uh, Tom, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, is just an absolute cynic and uh, hater of life in this movie. And it's a very nice summery drink. 
That's good. I sort of went, not intentionally, but sort of thematically went in the other direction. And I was thinking of summer a lot because my drink is basically just something that sort of fell into my lap that I didn't necessarily want, but like, I'm Oh, I'm sorry. Did you make yourself another? <laughs> no, I've got Jameson. Yay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. The it's joke not... was that it, you said it fell into your lap. See, we're a comedy podcast. God damn it. <laughs> we're a slow burn comedy podcast. You gotta re listen to it a couple of times to get these to get these jokes. I like the idea of a slow burn comedy. Like, oh, it's not gonna get funny till the end. <laughs> you turn it off a couple of days later, just standing in the void. <laughs> Uh, I get it now. That is a little bit like burn after reading, I think. <laughs> oh man, that would be another great one to do. I would be down, but that's Brad not the Pitt one we're it? doing now. Oh. oh, so, so now we've got our our boozies out of the way. Now let's talk about our movie. What we tried to find a good synopsis that is like detailed enough to give you the gist but like short enough for our attention spans um yeah but then we just ended up started talking about the movies so we thought we might as well just start mm -hmm. so movie is about joseph gordon levitt and zoe deschanel's characters dating and then not dating end of synopsis <laughs> thank you thank you thank you I'm very Damn. brave. Damn. <laughs> I was moved. <laughs> uh, you paint such a picture in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're done using the, ro the room. Roman, come in. You can, you can use the room now. <laughs> Roman, please paint us a picture. In fact, can you just paint the wallpaper in here? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, so it is about... Well, 500 days, and in which uh, a boy, Tom, meets a girl, starts to have feelings for the girl. They sort of date-ish, and then they officially date, and then they break up, and then there's a period where he's just sad, and it's very embarrassing for everyone. Um, <laughs> and then she shows up, and... One thing leads to another, and she's married or engaged to another person, and Tom has to deal with it. I feel like that one was a better, better, better on that time. Yeah, yeah, that's basically bare bones of the movie. So where do we um, want to start? So they chronologically. Well, we can, let's just start from the beginning. Right. Um, because on the note of the summary of the whole film, uh, it opens up with a narrator. There's like kind of like an omniscient narrator that uh, uh, will pop in every once in a while in this movie. Um, and it opens up saying that uh, this is a story about a boy meets girl, but is not in fact a love story. Which is just fantastic it, in in 2010 when i watched this for the first time i was like 
It's not. <laughs> What? How can I be? Uh, I, I mean, we can talk about the structure I, uh, to begin with. Well, the structure of the movie, uh, which is a nonlinear thing. I guess that's why we're having the conversation listener who theoretically hasn't seen this. Although also, go watch this. Pause what you're doing. Go watch this. Come back to us because we, we have feelings about this one. Um, it, it's about these 500 days in which all the stuff I talked about happens, but it tells them in sort of... Uh, yeah, nonlinear order. And I thought that part was handled really well. I, I thought I forgot from, it, from the jump that this was like a funnier movie. I remember it being more like dour and like serious and like I having vaguely the tone of eternal sunshine. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I guess um, it's not. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it, it was like, but I don't know. I've just seen it the one time, you know, oh, I can't yeah. really say whether or not, I guess I have that nostalgia for it. Um, or that like, uh, look for it. What I guess made you think that it was a more dour film. Well, I guess it is more. And yeah, this I is guess, kind of... you know what, this is a good thing. Um, impressions of the movie now versus what you remember of impressions of the movie when you first saw it, because I mean, Ooh. considering that this is such a, old movie um one that came out in our lifetime and has reached its 10th year happy birthday 11th year yeah 12 12 years since this movie came out yeah what's your impression from then and now so from then i saw it in i'm pretty sure it's 2019 no what no 2010 uh the summer of love Oh, 2010. <laughs> we were done with the early odds. I, I'm trying to, I was trying to remember. I remember, well, number one, the, the, the first thing I thought of, if I thought back was this movie has a great soundtrack. And when I think of it now, I think this movie still has a great soundtrack. So that shit holds up. That's what I always heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always heard. <laughs> My friend that like was in love with this movie was like, "Cause you have to see this for no other reason than the soundtrack." Mm-hmm. Probably because I was blasting "Sweet Disposition" a lot when that song came out. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's a good song. But I, as far as like feelings about the characters in the story, I don't, I don't know that I was particularly endeared to either one of them. I think I took a sort of mm-hmm. like neutral view on it, um, like, "Ah, oh, this is fun," and then, "Ah, oh, this is sad," and then. Ah, oh well. Now, coming from it now, I definitely, having had like some more years of dating experience or or experience, this is not experience, uh, this is not a dating experience, this is an experience about dating. I felt a lot more for Summer, like overwhelmingly so. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching the movie, I think more with her in mind, trying to like view the events unfolding from her perspective and it was certainly a, a much bigger bummer at parts than uh, oh my god yeah it would be yeah. like that's kind of how i tried to view it this time mm-hmm. um or just because like as soon as uh tom was introduced oh my god within like the first three minutes of this movie i was just like swept away by uh <laughs> well gordon lever's performance as a character 
type that I have met in real life. Mm -hmm. There is no getting around this guy's uh, um, attachment issues to himself. (laughs) Yeah, it was sad. It was sad to think of like uh, being summer and going through this uh, trying to not even trying to meet, but being like made to Mm -hmm. like this dating, this pseudo dating orchestrated to have her meet his great expectations. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess that's, that is more or less the first like act of the movie is like her sort of being ensnared by Tom and his buddy. Um, the one who was in, I think super bad or, or super troopers or some shit like that. Oh my God. Then the stuff they were talking about, um, what was it at one point? It w- it was when she was uh first got into the office and mm-hmm. uh Tom was like super uh, like immediately visually fell in love with her you know just like idolized her right from the get go and his friend that friend said something like pretty negative about her and Tom immediately is like oh well what a bitch yeah okay well if that's how it's gonna be then like yeah like. Whoops. What a waste. I hate it. Oh, oh, he says, why is it always pretty people that I think they can do, do this, this to shit, the rest yeah. of us? <laughs> oh my God. And I'm just over here. Like, I'm, I like, like, yeah. Like, why is it always pretty people that could just like write off other people? That's so unfair. What a bitch. Yeah. I don't even want to get to know her in, in that case. And it's like, that is what you're doing. <laughs> He's doing exactly that. Like, who would want to get to know him? If they knew that he was just going to, like, write people off by not knowing them. Critically, this is all without any input from her. She's not, like, even present in that exact vicinity. She's across the room. I don't know. I don't know if either of them have met her because the friend was saying that the uh, other friend, the uh, friend was saying that um, he heard from another person that when they tried to introduce themselves to her, she like was really standoffish. Mm. That's what the whole fucking problem was. Like in the a break room conversation didn't go the way that somebody planned. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I totally feel for summer. So we are, uh, let's see. Oh no. I just saw an ad for Titans. Sorry. Oh yeah. That's important too. Let's watch that. Let's watch the, um, stranger things one and then let's get back. <laughs> and then we'll get right back to you <laughs> um let's i think this is a good uh idea or a good point to talk about why we picked this movie and like the sort of category we were thinking of yeah absolutely so uh, we had in mind more or less i don't know i don't remember how we got on the uh, the topic but like we wanted to do a manic pix uh, in defense of manic pixie dream girls episode it was because of the last thing that we watched together. Oh, what was that? Uh, oh no, it was um, we were talking about uh, Colossal and mm-hmm. uh, the movie that you watched. Walter Mitty. What Walter Mitty? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, because definitely in Colossal, uh, Anne Hathaway's character is made out to be uh. I guess has these expectations put upon her mm-hmm. um, by the two men in her life. And uh, yeah, definitely is being like a partner material. Like she doesn't 
meet up with the uh meet the expectations of these two people and the relationships that they both kind of like expect out of her and uh we were basically dogging on those guys and one thing that led to another and that got into the manic pixie dream girl and mary sue yes because that's been brought up again recently both of these terms have been brought up against like somewhat recently um on our radar in in our in, in a good way yeah almost like like as a as a it's being reclaimed yeah i think um there's a lot of good stuff being said about uh the treatment of the manic pixie dream girl and the view on mary sue characters which is kind of funny for me just because like <laughs> i know it came from fan fiction and i interacted with it mostly in fan fiction and like a mary sue was in my mind i guess in like my circle generally viewed as a like self insert character essentially that uh like was tragic um but still pined after yeah by everyone that she interacted with all the hot ones that was, in this media <laughs> that was my understanding of it as well with like like honestly like a, a bella swan type of character from twilight yeah, that's being perfect. like the, the epitome but then like i feel like it took on another meaning of like oh this character is just op and that might just be some of the people we hung out with um but I don't know. I, I'd see. I'd seen it become more like, "Oh, this character's overpowered," and I'm like, "That is technically true, but like not for the reasons you think." Right, and like that. That's usually how I don't know. That's kind of how main characters are. It yeah. always is put on the main character, or at least like when I saw it in fan fiction, it was always put on the main character. Mm -hmm. The main character was Mary Sue. It wasn't usually a side character that was Mary Sue. Um. And I think that largely has to do with the main character being a vehicle for like the story being told and the emotions that you're supposed to, that, that the writer wants you to interact with while going through the story that yeah. they are interacting with. But uh, <laughs> whatever. Is it Shinji Mary Sue? Quite possibly. Or a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Who's to... Shinji, Shinji absolutely is a manic pixie dream girl. Now that I think about it, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Might, I'm trying to remember back, and it might actually be Asuka, but it's also been ten years since I've seen that, so I don't. Oh no! Still... <laughs> we should rewatch that next one that we watch. I'm not opposed. <laughs> oh, we'll have to make another green alien drink then. That's fine. Also not opposed. Yeah. They're usually good. Um, but it, this movie like stuck out to us as being like the defensive movie of Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Uh, also, because it's always brought up in conjunction with Manic Pixie Dream Girls, it's uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer, Scott Pilgrim's Ramona Flowers, um, and then Clementine from uh, the other movies that pops in my mind are the right one. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. I was about to say 500 Days of Summer, and then I was about to say Fifth <laughs> Element, and I'm like, uh, neither of these are okay. This is the Manic Pixie Cinematic Universe. Oh my god! 
But Lilu is the manic pixie dream girl. She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> We found her. She's a, that's the fifth element. Yes. The fifth element is Mary. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it's, it's funny that like summer is like included in that list when the movie is like a critique of that genre before the genre ever really like properly took off. I think as well. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when. That would be right around the time that it did, I guess, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Or at least when I encountered the term, would have been like maybe uh, one or two years later. Yeah, no, I think you're right because Scott Pilgrim came out after this, mm-hmm. didn't it? Yes, in uh, maybe the next year, maybe 2011. Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, what is a manic pixie dream girl? That's a you ask. <laughs> and Uncle Kelsey is right here. To tell you exactly what that is. Thanks, Uncle Kelsey. You're so welcome. Are you thirsty? No. Do you need to sit? How was your day? Do you, what are you What are you doing in school? Um, whippets. Yeah, not whippets. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I remember when old Uncle Kelsey would do whippets in the garage every Sunday. The Lord's Day. Um. But we're not talking about whippets right now. We're going to go into Manic Pixie Dream Girls, okay? So just <laughs> pipe down, sit over there a little bit further away. Okay, nice. Uh, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is, let's see. Um, I thought I found a really good example of this. All right. Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a character type uh, in films. Um, and it is said that uh, they exist solely for the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly sorrowful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Wow. Thank you, Wikipedia, and whosoever quote that is. <laughs> because that's perfect. God, that is great for this particular movie as well. Yeah, and it's usually like uh like a uh secondary character uh she's not typically the main character she's there to help assist him um uh they don't have any uh let's see chemistry they usually don't have like anything that they're supposed to overcome mm-hmm. They're just there to provide the protagonist with like life lessons and uh, I guess like deep thought on a platter. Yeah. They're like, they're the mom friend, essentially. It sucks. I feel so bad for Manic Pixie Dream Girls. They're just out there trying to live their life and somebody else is having a like bad time can't figure out their own shit and so they're trying to like just help them along and help them get their life together because like who doesn't want to like you know like maybe it's martyrdom but you want to try and help people if you can and then it just gets spit back in their faces 
it's fine we're all going I'm fine. we're all going through stuff here <laughs> <laughs> and then they got to realize you know are, are they truly doing it for themselves are they doing it for this other person yes they are are they doing too much for this other person yes they are well, this is the summary. <laughs> this 500 days of summary. <laughs> 500 days of summary. Okay. What? Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, uh, this term, I guess, came into being after Elizabethtown. Yes, I did see that. Uh, the movie? Oh, I saw that that was the attri attribution. I didn't see the movie. Um... And Manic Pixie Dream Girls are usually, let's see, I'm going to read another uh, um, description of them that is not my own. They're usually static characters who have eccentric personality quirks and are unabashedly girlish. Okay, now hold that thought in your mind. And does any part of that describe Summer? God, right? It sucks. Because, like, all the personality quirks they talk about is just, like, normal, like, minor differences between you and another person that you might meet. Right. <laughs> like, they're so quirky. They have a different view on life and went through different things, so they have different opinions and likes and interests. I'm trying to think of, like, any... She, li she listens to the Smiths. <laughs> That's it. I mean, like, well, I think the part of this movie that uh, I really liked um, to compare to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl quote or um, trope was that like the whole point of this film is how she is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character Tom makes her his manic pixie dream girl. She is not that on her own. Yes. Or by herself. Like she never tries to be that for anybody. But he sees all these things, like the fact that she likes the Smiths. Um, this happens early on in the film. Uh, right after she comes to work in the uh, same office that he does. Um, Man, I almost think we should do a more in-depth summary of this movie. Yeah. So uh, how would you s summarize Tom? Like, what, what is his deal at the beginning of the movie? Well, doesn't it open up in the future for Tom's character in this film? Does it? I mean, probably. Uh, I thought it opened up with um, him in his apartment smashing plates. Right, and then uh, his sister? Yes, his younger sister, yeah. who's much younger than him. She comes over. She's she was entertaining. <laughs> uh, I, it's always fun when like kid shows up and kid is like leagues more mature than adult. Like the savant. Yeah. <laughs> of like emotional reasoning. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's right. Because she's like, okay, calm down. Tell me from the start what happened, and then. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Regina Spector. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it starts with, I think, yeah, Us by Regina Spector, right? It does. It does. Such a pretty song. It's so good. Um, 
But I, I, what I remember most from the beginning is they, they sort of show each, like both characters' childhoods, and so from the jump, they're like, here is what this person expects out of life and relationships, and here's what this person uh, expects out of life and relationships. And one of them has a lot more idealistic, constructed, fantasized ideas of, of relationships, and one is a little bit more jaded from the jump to paint with a, a broad brush. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, the, let's see, the narrator in the beginning of the movie says, Tom Hansen grew up believing that he would never truly be happy unless he found the one. Summer Finn, the girl, does not share this belief. The only thing she loved was her hair and how easily she could cut it off. Which, like, holy shit, right there! <laughs> like, is their entire character types. Right. Like, he is um, besotted by the idea of love, but not invested enough to, like, interact with it. Yeah. And she likes the fact that, um, she can change herself and be whatever she wants to be yeah. at any time. Both have very different uh, relationships with the idea of permanence, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a really good uh, thought. So we meet them, like we were talking about earlier, in an office. Um, cut, to, cut to Tom and Tom's friends being shitty. Um, what's the... Yeah, he's being... He, uh, is being told by his boss that, uh, or no, it's in a boardroom meeting, mm -hmm. um, at their job, they make Hallmark cards. I think that's pretty important to the film just because like, <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I mean, like, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, Tom, his job is to write slogans, um, or write the messages for greeting cards. um, yeah, which I mean, it's 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 good. It plays off uh, his character and his character beliefs. He's writing fake. He has to like project feelings and empathize. <laughs> Y'all like see as a job. Yeah, my god, and he's bad at it. Oh my god. <laughs> so he hates his job because he has to pretend and lie. And, you know, what other, like, he, he hates what he's doing because he's not good at what he does, essentially. It's also, it makes him uncomfortable. I think it's also important that um, it, it, the fact that, like, all Hallmark cards, to some degree, suck is important. Because he's, he is putting his literal livelihood on, a, on creating notions that are not they're too brief to i don't know to encapsulate anything well and what this really made me uh think of um in comparison was the movie her yeah <laughs> uh where joaquin phoenix will write love letters or will write um i think it's like love letters yeah. or just write he's like a secondhand like uh, memoirs or something writer. you know it's it is writing yeah. it is writing like love letters writing um letters for uh people who request mm -hmm. like poetry yeah. i guess being written for essentially for um another person you can commission him to write a really good meaningful letter mm -hmm. to somebody um 
okay, but I think that there's some. I don't know. I wow. Now I'm just thinking more about her. I'm like, wow, this is. We're, we're gonna like, we're gonna do another podcast episode about her for sure. No, I mean, I think like you could combine it with this one. Yeah. <laughs> like her is just like an updated version of this movie. Same movie. They're the same damn movie. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it is, and that it's almost like literal. Like he has created someone out of an image that he feels he needs. Yeah, and even then, she wasn't perfect for him because then she became real. Right. And then, oops, got affected by life because she's no longer a thought. Yeah, <laughs> she's a thought. <laughs> Good. Okay, yeah, but like one thing that and I like the reason why that reminded me of her was I was like thinking that they both essentially do the same thing. They craft sentiment. Mhm. And but like they both have different like views on it. Tom uh what's his last name? Holland? I don't know. <laughs> Spider Boy. <laughs> Tom Hansen, that's his name. Uh, Tom Hansen, right. he hates his job. He is totally disillusioned by it and he thinks it's such a farce and such a sham what he does. There is a very uh uh there's a scene at the near the end of the movie where he um has essentially like a breakdown a public breakdown at a board meeting and he shouts at everybody that what they're doing is lying to people and that he doesn't want any part in it that it is uh yeah it's such an empty shallow uh job that they have and like it, yeah it's deceitful and stupid which is and then like, he leaves it's the perfect like summation of like his relationship with Summer at that point, because they have broken up at this point, which is why he's, yeah. he's shitty. Uh, and we'll talk about but, why they broke up. Uh, but yeah, but he like, like my point there being is that like he hates his job. Uh -huh. He thinks what he's doing is like lying and like putting on face and mm -hmm. um that it's shallow. Mm -hmm. Versus Walking Phoenix's character absolutely loves his job. He loves what he's doing, and when he's yeah. asked about like, hey, like, don't you think it's kind of weird that you're basically like lying or you're making up emotions for these people? And he's like, no, I'm actually like really trying to empathize with them, and I'm really trying to like get in that mindset. And I don't think I'm lying necessarily. Like, I'm. Um, wait, he says something to the effect of like, I like really do like feel these feelings, and I want them to have these feelings like with each other like he wants to believe in the idea of love and tom uh tom hansen like definitely does not want to he doesn't understand how to empathize so of course he hates his job is this a bad job i don't necessarily think so is he the wrong person for the job yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like and it just makes me think even more like what a jerk you put yourself here and you are complaining about it like you're making everybody's life miserable because you hate what you have done to yourself. Get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically like the thesis of this whole movie for me. But uh... oh, I agree because his whole his like if you have to like boil his uh, character flaw down to one thing, it's just having wildly unrealistic, wildly unrealistic expectations of 
things that just are incapable of meeting up to those things by nature or up to those expectations. Like he expects summer to be one thing, like summer to be like this grand, fantastical experience when it's just a person. And he's expecting these little plastic cards to mean so much in, in, I don't know, five or six words. Uh, yeah, it always, it reminds me of like, you know, what this reminds me of is, uh, and that part in Avatar Last Airbender when Sokka wants to get his fortune read by Aunt Wu. And she says, your future is full of struggle and anguish, most of it self-inflicted. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah! <laughs> God. Okay, so that's Tom. <laughs> uh, Tom is a person that could change his life, but is too busy being really upset about the things that he can't necessarily control mm -hmm. to even try to attempt to like rein any sort of control. Yeah. That he does have in his life. And I don't understand why some people lust after him. Because okay. Because this is this was like 20 2009, 2010. This was like when the what's the fucking term? The the Tumblr sex dilf or whatever like what what's the that's not the right term what's the, what's the Tumblr the, sex dilf I'm, what, what's the onceler type like there's a name for that oh. it's not um, sex dilf but it's something mega like corporation I don't know but anyway a it's like capitalist he's a capitalist <laughs> damn capitalist <laughs> capitalism looks good <laughs> he he does have god i was watching this and thinking man this is the most like if someone wanted to know what people wore or wanted to wear in like 2010 it's that fucking sweater vest big chunky vintagey headphones at least from like hey, those are back again are they I think so. I saw some people walking around with them in public. Some teens. Uh, well, they'd know then. They would. Me, just a street bystander, wouldn't with my tiny little AirPods. <laughs> yeah. AirPod knockoffs. I'm sorry. <laughs> AirPods. AirPods. AirBud. And that's the podcast. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Roman Mars goes wild. <laughs> there he is. You're not, don't worry. You know, we had to lure him with lure him in with pudding cups, so he finally got here. And that's just the way. <laughs> hey, if you watch Airbud, you fucking get that. I okay. get it. <laughs> there you get your boy. Yeah, and, so um uh, Tom Hansen has been disillusioned from the get-go when uh, he's first introduced to Zoe Deschanel's character. It is also not like a private one-on-one -on -one introduction. They are having a meeting at Hallmark, at their yeah. little Hallmark building in California somewhere, isn't it? And for, no, L.A., I guess, it turns LA, out. L.A., that's right! Yeah. Um, and... Uh, she comes in to give a message to the lead director and she's just the new assistant. She's the new, what is it? Like secretary, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she just got a job. 
And he immediately falls head over heels for her. His friend uh, talks about how uh, he might have, or she might have slighted someone else in the office. Like, brushed them off. Yeah. And so they both decide, like, what a bitch. Like, there's no reason to get to know her. Ain't it always the pretty ones that just think that they can walk all over yeah. people. And it's like, dude, you decided she was pretty. Uh-huh. And that and that was her thing. she's walking over you. Yeah, exactly. And then later they meet in the uh, elevator. And he's listening to the Smiths really loudly on his headphones. And she says, oh, I love loudly. Yeah. Unreasonably loudly. Um, realistically loudly, honestly, there are sometimes I pull off my headphones. I'm like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> Calm <think>. down, me. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Damn, Nikki. Also, it was 2009. I mean, sound leakage was a You're real right. problem. You're right. <laughs> Hell, even, even nowadays, like, my coworker will, will listen to his music on his, like, fairly modern headset, but I can still hear, like, the Hamilton soundtrack. Whereas I'm like, ah, ha, ha, I have AirPods. You can't tell. I will never be satisfied. <laughs> you don't know that I'm just watching The Sopranos at my desk. Hey. Forget about it. <laughs> you know, famous Sopranos lines. So we've done a pretty good job at describing the first 10 minutes of the movie. That part was just brought up to, like, because we were talking about um, quirks. Yeah. Quirky yeah. things. And one of her quirky things is that she likes the Smiths. Yeah. And wow, what a what a what a quirky thing to like a fairly popular band. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> um and also what was the other Okay, no, so they they does the karaoke night, isn't that like the inciting event for like them dating? Or being something? Um I think it actually is because that's when she comes and like sits down yeah. with uh Tom and his friend. Yeah. Um and that's when they uh have their conversation about what love is. That's or I right. guess like what they believe in love. Like she's uh they're finally like they're actually getting to know one another normally. Mm-hmm. Instead of him just fantasizing her, I don't know, just yeah. osmosising into his girlfriend. <laughs> He's getting to know her. It's my girlfriend, Osmosis Jones. Osmosis Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's like at the end of like that night is when his friend is like, hey, he likes you. And yeah, I almost sucks. threw my fucking fork at my TV. <sighs> <laughs> People that do that to one another are evil. That's how I, I found uh, out that I was aromantic. God, I, I was in play. like grade school. I was in fifth grade and somebody said that I liked this other guy and I did think he was cute. But then I realized like, but I don't want to. So no, I don't. Yeah. And then I realized I have all the power. I could just end my life of a person. <laughs> Turns out it was because I never really wanted to anyways. which okay one mm -hmm. thing i really like how she is it's not a forever thing but for the time being she's a pretty like great uh aromantic Uh character yes i was that's and that is why i like latched onto her 
this watch through because like having like realized oh shit i am a romantic which is yeah coming to her defenses was easy in this like oh she doesn't want to pursue a serious relationship but she still wants to interact with people yeah awesome i'm here for that well who uh, who the fuck is it she lays it out bare like she lets him know in this scene in this karaoke scene that she doesn't believe in love um and she doesn't want to yeah but that she still engages in relationships um and it's not it's just not a relationship thing for her yeah and he's like no love is real love is actual love is a many splendid thing (laughs) Love lifts you up where you belong. All we need is love. All he needs is love. But just his idea of love, it's evil. Damn, bars. Dang, Nikki. <laughs> uh, God, there was, like, okay, so from, from there, like, they start hanging out, um, just doing normal shit, like going to, like, record stores, and uh, I don't know, they maybe, like, kiss or some something, I don't know. Stuff that is not in my opinion, necessarily romantic. And also, Zoe Deschanel's character agrees with me. Uh, <laughs> there was, because that, that's like the first fight, as it were, like like the first point of friction um, was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character was like, hey, we're doing all this stuff. Like, this has to be romantic. And she's like, I don't see why we can't just be friends. Why can't this just be a friend's thing? And I'm like, I see you. <laughs> well, and it's like, I think one thing that I do like about this movie is that um, the way that all the like um, scenes that you see with Zoe Deschanel, I, she's not meant to be seen as perfect or necessarily always no. right. Mm-hmm. Like there is some ways in which they interact that I would say like, well, of course, like, you know, I can understand how he would get confused or how he would build these ideas in his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only human. Right. And people infer things differently. The only thing is that, like, she clearly states with her words, like, how she feels. Yeah. Some people I know are more like actions speak louder than words. But to me, like, I think words speak the most because they're yeah. what you say and they're <laughs> your intention. And, like, I don't know. I guess if you don't follow through on your intention, there's that. But, if it's just gray area where you don't know, mm-hmm. just talk about it. Just talk yeah. about it. Dude. <laughs> I was thinking like, I was trying to think of like, what is her flaw? And for like part of it, it was, it was, I was thinking at first, like there's, there's bits that she doesn't come clean with, like as she's feeling them, like when she's like having those like feelings of breakup. Although she does say eventually that, Hey, I want to break up at a, at a diner, which is a great scene. Um, but also like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character doesn't put her in a position to, like, freely communicate her, like, wants and needs. No, yeah, I feel like the way that he communicates with her is, like, this kind of, like, aren't we? And, like, are you really gonna do this to me? Are you really gonna, like, is this actually what you think of us? Am I I so insignificant and unimportant? And, like, any way you answer that is going to be, is just not gonna you're going to say the wrong thing. Cause if mm-hmm. you say, no, of course you're important to me. Then it's like, okay, well then we're boyfriend, girlfriend. No, no. no. <laughs> I mean, and like he is, his character is really like why I bring up the aunt Wu thing is his character. I think he really does 
um, like bring himself like strive. Mm-hmm. Um, he invites it into himself because he has such a low sense of like self-worth and confidence. And like, that does suck. Like, I feel for the guy on that, you know, you don't necessarily, okay, well, here's this, here's where this comes into play. You don't necessarily choose to have such low self-confidence, but like, if you, if you see it, if you recognize that, like the best thing you can do for yourself is work on that. Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes like Tom is the character that doesn't think that he can, that think that other people need to work with his low self-image and low self-esteem. And that means catering to every, like every emotional whim that he has, you know, if he gets really insecure about a thing, that means that Summer has to boost his confidence and has to be there to shield him from the outside world and her own emotions and flaws. And that's so unhinged. Which is hilarious because like, it's not as though he doesn't have people telling him uh, like contrary ideas to his low self image. Like he has, I mean, all the summer, time. summer first and foremost is always like, Oh yeah. Tell me about the thing you want to do. Here's what you should do to do it. His sister is a fucking great character. She's always like calling him on his shit for like, well, you know what? Maybe you're just over idealizing this girl or like maybe you just want to feel shitty for feeling shitty's sake. Yes. Yes. And one of my favorite scenes is when um, he's showing Summer his desk um, and he's talking about, she, she asked him something about um, like how he got to this job. And he said that he studied architecture, but didn't get anywhere. And so he got this job and she latches onto the architecture bit. And it's like, oh, so, the, you know, like, like that sounds really fascinating. Can yeah. you show me some of your work? And he shows her like some card that he wrote a slogan for that sold really well and he hates it uh-huh. and he prefaces it as like you know like who, you know, he has a standoff which is kind of like who cares but like whatever he's not proud of that work and he shows her the work that he's not proud of and it um i think like when it shows him choosing that over a uh like a pencil drawing of a building mm-hmm. like some work of art that he did uh, like a study on a building i think and he chooses to show her the things that he hates about himself versus the things that he could like about himself yeah he's he is like a, a master class in self-deprecation yeah oh my god like he has stuff he likes about himself because if he didn't then he wouldn't want somebody to love him mm-hmm. like he likes the idea of him being in a relationship yeah he just needs to fucking find other things to like about himself come on boy yeah and also that's the thing is he likes the idea of it like there's because when when do i'm trying to think when they like officially start dating is it is it the scene just prior to like when they do the uh the hall of notes dance it might be around Um, there let's see oh my god i think okay if i remember right there's they, they go to the bar they get drinks Guy shows up, starts like, starts shit. Joseph Gordon-Levitt fights Guy, and oh god, that scene sucks. Yeah, not a cool time. But then Zoe Deschanel's character goes back, like they go back home, and she's like, "Hey, that was not cool," because they were not like boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. Um, I mean, yeah, and just wasn't fucking cool. Like he, it wasn't cool no matter what. 
I don't yeah, care no. if they are dating. Like, yeah. he immediately jumps to violence, and she didn't like that. Yeah. And that's okay. And he couldn't understand. He was like, yeah, but I did this for you. He said something mm-hmm. along those lines of, like, I did it for you. And yeah. she's like, cool, that makes that even less cool. Because I super <laughs> didn't want you to do that. Like, I would rather if you hit this guy because you wanted to. Not thought, to delude yourself into thinking it's because I wanted you to. Which, because like the, that argument happens in like two parts, right? Because I think they are at her place first. She like pretty firmly shuts it down. He goes back to his. Then she joins him at his, and she's like, "Hey, maybe I came in hard." I'm like, "No, you were right." Oh my god, I know. Well, I'm like, and that's part of the thing where I'm like, like she's not shown to be perfect or without flaws because sure. i think inherently they're not good for each other Super you know not. they yeah they're just not compatible uh-huh they obviously like can like easily ruin each other but this movie's focusing on the fat on like tom's part in the what's up i'm, I'm trying to uh just look at the the uh, timeline and see just what the hell where they actually start dating. Oh no, it is it is exactly at the at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right after that. One one quick aside I do want to mention is that she is right about Octopus's Garden being the best Beatles song. Yeah, no, she's absolutely fucking right. <laughs> I grew up with Abbey Road and that was my favorite song. Absolutely. That and Maxwell Silverhammer. A good one. <laughs> She's yeah, she is she is a cool character. Like she there's a lot of really cool things to like about her. It's just that Joseph Gordon Levitt either doesn't see those things or like imagines other things th- that she is when clearly not. Yeah, yeah. Like he thinks that liking Ringo Starr is quirky for her instead mm-hmm. of just a fucking human opinion. Yeah. Like it's not something that makes her it's not like a ding. Oh, you're much cooler now. Right. You're much more dateable now because you're like just so weird and random. But the uh, the I feel like that bar fight scene um, kind of highlights the hypocrisy in that because just before that they're talking about um, I think women with tattoos or something like that, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets real conservative about uh, conservative about that. He's like just talking mad shit on people with tattoos. I think specifically women, just because it's that character. Uh, and you can already clearly see, even before they're dating, that Zoe Deschanel is not having a great time hanging out with this person. She, yeah, and, like, that sucks. Well, I mean, that's great. But, like, it sucks for him, too, that, like, all he's, like, in so many, um, part of the reason why this clearly doesn't work out is not because, like, he's an unlikable person, but because he is, like, making himself unlikable. Yeah. Like he's only talking about like the things that he hates about society or these really self-deprecating views on himself mm-hmm. or like all the ways in which he was turned cynic. And she clearly is like just trying to have a good time. Like she said so in the beginning with the relationship thing. She's like I don't want anything serious. I just I want to have fun. Yeah. Like how is that bad? Especially if you write it out for somebody. Um, but yeah, then, uh, the, uh, uh, when she comes back to apologize, uh, they have like, 
like a heart to heart and share about their past relationships, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. I know. yeah, yeah. I don't remember if they talk about any of his past relationships, though. They, I don't think they, I, I, at least I don't remember anyway. Right? I just remember her talking about how she's bisexual and yeah. that she dated somebody named the Puma. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just a couple of feral ducks over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I think shortly after that as well is the Ikea moment, right? Where we, we see, if, and if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we first see it like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Joseph Gordon Levitt's viewpoint, where it's Joseph. like oh, Joseph, uh, where, <laughs> where it's like ah, oh, quirky, funny, happy IKEA date, and then I think later on we do see it from Summer's viewpoint, where she's just like, yeah, I didn't know if that was the same date or different. They have mm-hmm. timestamps in this movie, yeah. um, all over the place that I should pay attention to more, <laughs> um. But uh, as the 500 days of summer, it like hits upon like a couple of the titular moments um, or the titular days out of the 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I didn't know if the IKEA dates were two separate dates or just yeah. one, because at some point in the movie they do an actual um really cool um they do an actual side by side comparison of um. Uh, is it one date or is it a couple of scenes with Zoe and? Are we talking about the reality expectations one? Side by side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's. Um, is it one scene or is it just a couple? It's, it's one. Um, like one they, date. One, uh, the party at her place, which I think is an engagement party. That's it. That's it. It's an engagement party. It's not at her place. They go out to. Um, it's like a wedding. Oh. So yeah. that was there was that scene, and then like afterwards, like because they meet up after having broken up at that point, and they're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. we're having a great time!" Yeah. And then, uh, oh, come over to my place next week. We're having, I'm doing a thing, um, and that's where that side by side. Yeah, the side by side. Yeah, it's so cool. It's like uh-huh. the, um, it does a side by side comparison of like what his expectation versus the reality. Yeah. of what he gets and uh does like scene to scene of what it looks like um or what he expects it's really really good i especially love the part where um his expectation of the whole party is just him and uh summer talking constantly like she wants she, like she invites him to mm-hmm. a party at her place that she's hosting and expects that she's going to just want to talk to him after they've broken up by the way, and have had like communication uh, or in communication limbo. Right. And it's not like a short amount of time after the breakup too. They, they've like been broken up. Yeah. Like, a good clip. Yeah. Cause you're right. It was after the wedding where they bumped into each other and yeah. um, it was a mutual friends wedding. They're like, Oh, I didn't expect to see you. I'm like, Oh, how are you doing? Like the awkward kind of like, cool. Well, you know, and trying to be like cordial. Um, and like attempting to be 
normal people around each other and his expectations is that she's just going to drop everything and not even host uh not be a gracious host to anybody but him and in reality of course she goes around and talks to other people because that's what a host does Uh, (laughs) i like that what okay we'll get to the wedding scene in a bit what let's talk about the breakup sort of sequence where they go to see the graduate which oh that's such a good scene i've never seen the graduate and this movie convinced me that i need to see it yeah uh i know dustin hoffman's a pretty good actor yeah he's all right Catherine ross is okay you know they're both all right people sure sure they act right yeah (laughs) do any of us (laughs) <laughs> okay okay but now now it's just taking me back full circle to the whole reason why 500 days of summer even came up as a movie that we needed to watch together is Dustin uh, Hoffman in Stranger Than Fiction oh, I oh got my it. god I love him in that we do gotta watch that one yeah we're gonna watch okay so spoilers we're gonna watch Stranger Than Fiction at some point <laughs> Um, also we should watch balto we should that's just a that's a standing order i think yeah i can't believe we've not watched balto together like ever Have we never once i don't think i mean i've seen it but like we Fucked haven't up. what the hell we can watch it on my old vhs it's all verbally because i watched it way too many times <laughs> yeah <sighs> <laughs> So okay, walk me through what the what the end scene of like the graduate as we see it um, in this movie was, and like so uh, the last scene of uh, or this scene of the movie, it um, uh, pans in to show Summer and Tom uh, in the. Uh, audience of this theater watching the ending of the graduate uh which is dustin hoffman and katherine ross escaping a wedding and it shows them like looking over their shoulder in the back of this car and like looking out the back window and they have like pure looks of joy and excitement on their face and it slowly starts to like leave their expression they like it it looks like the reality of whatever they've just been through uh, is kind of seeping in. And it goes back to Summer, who is just uh, like, she's like sobbing watching yeah. this. And I think that oh, that's such a, that's such a message right there. Yeah. God. I mean, I can't imagine how much she, I don't know this, that the symbolism in that is like her being like, seeming to look really afraid of uh, what her relationship with Tom means for her Mm -hmm. in her own joy and excitement and like watching that fade. Like it seems like she's looking at this and imagining herself in that situation and comparing that to her life right then and how upset that makes her. She probably feels just like that i mean she said she doesn't believe in love but like it's so pervasive in this day and age in society as a whole like who doesn't kind of 
want to, mm-hmm. even if they don't. Poor thing. That was a little uh, projection from yours truly. <laughs> what? You read into that scene a lot? <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> this is I'm um, so, I don't oh yeah I was gonna say I'm just so glad that uh, we get to like have an aromantic podcast episode about this oh, specific yeah. movie <laughs> yeah this I is, think like <laughs> this mm-hmm. is a pretty good defense for like why at least part of why aromanticism is a perfectly valid uh, thing lifelong decision right, I don't know yeah. like just inherent trait state of being yeah like it's not really a choice it just is yeah so if you didn't know we're both aromantic you're aromantic oh my god (laughs) i was listening to you listen to be i was listening to you being really loudly aromantic in the elevator and that's why i piloted (laughs) it i'm sorry it's just (laughs) Well, you're a romantic cool too. Cool. I love being a romantic. <laughs> They're perfect. <laughs> Man, okay. The one thing that did kind of like I love this and hated it was that she does get married in the end. Yeah. Hated it because like Man, there goes an aromantic icon. But also, I'm fucking like, how can you hate that? So fast forward to the end. Yeah. Um, actually, like pretty much like at this party, because she seems mm-hmm. to there's evidence to suggest that she is dating the guy that she eventually marries at the end of the film at the um, party that she invites Tom to where he has mm-hmm. his great expectations. Um, put on by him onto him. <laughs> 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 place upon him by him um but great. that she is <laughs> oh yeah great <laughs> great cool expectations. expectations cool 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 expectations cool expectations oh <laughs> and um yeah there's evidence to suggest that she is dating this guy but it's cool on the flip side, because, like, I, I, okay, there's that quote from the ending scene. I don't know where it is, but she tells him, da da da. I wish I had this quote. It's so fucking good. Yes, okay, I found it. I friggin' found it. Okay, so it sucks that another Evermanche character bites the dust. Yes. Right in the culmination of their making. I know we're all gonna in the end. Um, so that sucks, but it's really cool that uh, she finds like I love that her idea for her life and of herself changes, and that she fucking rolls with it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't scare her enough that she like isolates and like turtle shells because she's confused. And doesn't know how to interact with other people because of it. Tom, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, like Tom continues to be bitter throughout the end of the movie. Like I don't necessarily think he is 
I, I like his amount of growth. His his amount. <laughs> it's it's a small amount. It really is, and it's not anything that like makes me hopeful for his character, but it makes me a little bit proud yeah. that he decides to make his life better in marginal ways. You have no idea how long that's going to last or when he's next going to spiral, but that's okay. But when Summer and Tom meet up in the very end of the movie, um, he tells her that... Uh, um, he realizes that all his ideas about love are wrong and Summer and like he's super like like down on himself, um, super bitter still. Like he's clearly still bitter. And mm. he's so bitter about this that he can't it seems like he can't even understand like all the ways in which he has made his life better for himself. Like he quits his job. He starts pursuing his love and interest in architecture yeah like he starts pursuing the life that he wants and yet like he still can't get over summer and he tells her that all of his ideas about love were wrong that you know it, it was just a fairy tale and she tells him that she doesn't think that it was um and that you know it changed for her like she used to not want to be with anybody and now she's somebody's wife and uh, when he asks something about like how that came to be, she says that she like she tells him that with her husband, she knew what she was never sure of with Tom. Yeah, well, God, what a line! <laughs> love that part. Uh huh. I love that scene a lot, just in general. Like, I mean, like we were talking about, like I felt the exact same way about like, oh damn, another Arrow character gone, but right. like. It, more importantly, I think than than that bit of representation was the idea, yes. like the the rejection of like Tom's static worldview of like, oh, this is how it must be. Like the idea that life is change and that's cool. Like that is Summer's character. Like not getting, yeah. yeah, like he said, not freaking out about like, oh, maybe I do like this now. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and I I remember this. Here's another like. Um, I guess nostalgia view versus like what actually happened in the movie when I watched it uh, back then versus now is I remember I thought that scene was like a lot more um, reconciliatory if that's a word um, when for like the other than maybe like the parting moments like it wasn't like Tom was still being pretty shitty throughout I thought I was like man I thought you like had some growth like some major growth and like yeah not really. I mean, not for like. Not like character growth. Like he changes his life. Right. Yeah. He's he is the same character doing more um, concrete changes rather than like character changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was <laughs> that was a bummer. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, man, I was rooting for you to like do something. Well, I will say uh-huh. that again, like. And this is probably just um, my ex- because of my experiences with other people. Why I'm like, eh, I don't necessarily have the belief that you, Tom, will uh, have changed enough to want to change your worldview. Yeah. 
necessarily. But I think, okay, so this brings us, I guess, to the end of the movie. Um, where I was told before uh, watching this movie, I mean, it's it's been out for years, of course, I heard all this stuff, like spoilers, what could be spoilers, I've heard about it. I was always told that at the end of the movie, it is basically like Tom back up to his old shenanigans because he has, it's after the uh, scene where he meets Summer and she's like, yo, I'm friggin' married and I'm fine with it because like, even though I didn't predict this happening, like, you know, that's life. And sometimes you just kind of got to roll with it and accept who and what you are. Um, oh, and I read a really like quick, 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 quick aside. I read a really cool, uh, uh, analogy of the park scene where they say that Tom tells her that he's happy she's happy but makes a point not to congratulate her on her marriage. Yes, I did catch that. <laughs> you could have. Say again? No, I just said bastard. I whispered it. Oh, yeah. You just didn't hear it. It's cool. That one wasn't for you. That was that was for uh, Julep back here. And, and Roman. That was for Roman in the corner. <laughs> No, not you, honey. I'm so sorry. You're not a bastard. Here, get a pudding cup. <laughs> but at the very end of the film, I was always told that he was um, uh, n- not changed. That he uh, meets this, he sees this girl, he thinks she's cute, introduces, and they introduce each other, and she says, Hi, my name is Autumn. And then it's like, oh, right back to the beginning of the movie. I think like day one, it says like day one yeah. of autumn um, off to the side. But like to me, he my like a smidgen of hope for this character is that the situation was like a bit different than it was with Summer. Because in the very beginning of the film, when he first sees Summer, when Summer is first in his life, it's at that board meeting where she is introduced by the director to everybody. And he sees Summer, and then it's day one of the 500 days with Summer. And like yeah. we mentioned, for a while, he doesn't, he hasn't even spoken to her yet. Like she doesn't know that he exists as a singular person and not as a team member. But in the end of the film, yeah, right? Enough for some premeditated resentment to form. But at the end of the film, he is uh, waiting to be interviewed for a job. And this woman walks up, sits down uh, in the waiting area, clearly also going to be interviewed. They make a quip back and forth, um, uh, like meet cute type of conversation and then he gets called in to be interviewed and he stops because she's adorable and he introduces himself to her or at least asks if she wants to get coffee later like he initiates um getting to know one another which is much different than in the beginning even his first like interaction with summer he doesn't try to get to know her at all. She is the one that's like, oh, you like the Smiths? Me too. What do you know? Hi, my name's Summer. Yeah. But with Autumn, 
he asks her out. Like he actually is going through trying to get to know another human being in a human yeah. being way. And to me, that means that he's like, that's a, that's a, that's a bit of growth. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Like what I, would I put like betting odds that like it'll be a great successful uh, relationship? I'd probably bet money against it, but like I think there's a better chance of him being happy with her than with uh, Summer. I mean, I don't even know about that for me. It's just that the fact that he asked if she asked to get to know her mm-hmm. before he got to make a fantasy about her, right meant a lot to me mm-hmm. well that's that's what i mean is like he will he'll be if there was a, if there is a relationship that comes from that it'll be more with the actual person that's sitting in front of him than like a fantasy that he constructed when he was six years old and just put it upon this person that he meets in a boardroom Hmm. yeah yeah i think that speaks to his growth mm-hmm. so which is also kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> good job you're 30 and you finally decided to see another person as a person hey that's okay you know <laughs> if you're gonna like get to that point at all in your life i'm happy True. for you please do it at least <laughs> and like i can understand how a lot of this film hit different with different people sure. um i think for myself and maybe similarly for you, like through the aromantic lens, it's very much, uh, I find myself rooting for summer. Always. I mean, siding with summer. Very much so. Even if not, but like things like the way, uh, they physically interacted. Mm hmm. Uh, I know for some people like that spells promise or like you don't do that. You know, you don't kiss and not have a relationship. Like there are plenty of people that, um, I know that thought like, well, she's confusing him because she's kissing and they have sex, but it's nothing more than just that. Like, of course it's going to confuse people. And it's like, well, yeah, it, it can. But if you're confused then talk about it because she explained her side of yeah, what she really expected clearly. yeah she she explained herself so if you're lost in it then own up dude like that was on him like it sucks that he had such low self-confidence that he didn't even know how to like breach the topic but also like then maybe you're not ready for dating if you don't know how to talk with another person about right. you know <laughs> deeply personal things like that's just on you you're not ready for dating if you don't know how to bring that up yeah, communication of one's needs is like relationships 101. Like, not even romantic, even. I think just in all relationships. Absolutely. If you're deciding to invite another person into your life, you need to know how to communicate. Yeah. That's a pretty good, like, tagline for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would you, like, oh, think it's healthy to hide? any part of yourself from mm-hmm. a person that you want to live with. Like right. it's going to come out. And like, if you have control over that situation, then like you usually do. It's you. 
Yeah. You always have some control. So we're we're at uh <laughs> I think an hour and a half of recording. Have fun okay. with that. Yeah. Have, have fun with that editor Sammy. Do we have There's any There's probably final... a lot to edit. I can I I this is this is good cuz like I'll, I'll have like a lot of really good content to go through. But yeah. um uh do we have any final thoughts on the movie? Uh, final thoughts? I loved it a lot more than I thought it would. Um, I thought it was a lot more. I th- I think it's, uh, it remains topical. Like it was dated in the funny ways of they had, like landlines. Right, and iTunes. Mm-hmm. But the concept I thought was like very uh, ba ba booey, uh. Beyond the year it was in, yeah, translatable. <laughs> I think that could apply to all times to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'd actually love to see like more movies that would like talk about relationships like this. Definitely mm-hmm. like a romantic stuff. But hey, whatever. And it can be like sexual in nature too. That's fine with me too. I don't even care. I. I would, I guess my thing is I would be interested to talk about it with like, you know, a romantically inclined person just to get their take and see if they got, what takeaways does a romantic person get from this? Like a reasonable romantic person anyway. Yeah, definitely. That's another thing about this film. I think it's a great conversation starter. Yeah. For her first date, perhaps. Uh, honestly. <laughs> honestly. Honestly. Yeah, because there are some people that I think would see themselves in much different roles in this movie. I'd love to talk to them about it. Yeah. Yeah, movie good. Movie very good. I, I was texting them. Like, like, I think I watched it last Sunday. And basically every day this week I was like, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. I know. Oh, my God. It's great. It just kind of came up organically we we're talking about other movies and then like got onto this one and then it turns out we just had so much to say we're like well i guess we should actually make an episode about this one. yeah let's do that one instead well i think i like i like this format i don't know what do you think i like this one too um i think that yeah i think we just got to work with it a bit yeah maybe a bit more structure in a sure. couple different ways like um if we can really nail down um, the uh, scenes of the film. One thing that really works in our favor for the other format is that it gives us that much to work with versus mm-hmm. like a whole movie jumping back and forth. A lot of times we've That's seen true. the movie before, so it doesn't really like matter, but like we mm-hmm. will have certain scenes that have just stood out. That's true. That's a good idea. Uh, but yeah, if, if, I mean, we, we, will con- we will continue recording this podcast, so expect more episodes along these lines. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a work in progress and a lot of experimentation. <laughs> so, I think with that, thank you so much for joining us, rejoining us. I know it's been a minute. Uh, we've missed you. <laughs> and I missed you. And I missed you. <laughs> um... Yeah, join us next week for... Um, 
A Star is Born. That's not a real movie. <laughs> is it? A film starts with popular singer Jack Maine, Bradley Cooper getting ready to perform a sold out audience. Oh, this is that one um, oh, Lady Gaga one film. With, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna watch that one next. Yikes! <laughs> I'm Sammy. And I'm Kelsey. <laughs> Thanks, we love you. Good night. Have a good one. <laughs>